Amen. So we're going to be opening up our, our text today in uh, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Chap- uh, verse 21 through 43 I'm going to read. And I'm going to skip over some verses in just a moment. Um, we're going to start on Mark chapter 5. It says this. Verse 21. Jesus went back across to the other side of the lake. There at the lakeside, a large crowd gathered around him. Jairus, an official of the local synagogue, arrived, and when he saw Jesus, he threw himself down at his feet. Verse 23, and begged him earnestly, my little daughter is very sick. Please come and place your hands on her so that she will get well and live. Verse 24, then Jesus started off with him. So many people were going along with Jesus that they were crowding him from every side. And I'm going to skip down to verse 35. It says this, while Jesus was saying this, some messengers came from Jairus' house and told him, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? Jesus paid no attention to what they had said, but told him, don't be afraid, only believe. Don't be afraid, only believe. Verse 37, then he did not let anyone else go with him except Peter and James and his brother John. Verse 38, They arrived at Jairus' house where Jesus saw the confusion and heard all the loud crying and wailing. So picture this. Jesus walks into this house and the family members and the friends, they're just wailing and they're crying and saying, man, she's dead, she's dead. And then he went in and said to them, why all this confusion? Why all this confusion? Why are you crying? The child is not dead. She is only sleeping. Verse 40. They started making fun of him. So he put them all out. Some of us need to put some people out of our lives. He put them all out, said, get out of here. He took the child's father and mother and his three disciples and went into the room where the child was lying. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, I tell you, get up. Verse 42, she got up at once and started walking around. She was 12 years old when this happened. They were completely amazed, but Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone. And he said, give her something to eat. So today, as we continue on in our series, Mixtapes and Love Letters, I want to speak to you on the subject of when heartache sets. When heartache sets, as, as we, we learn how to deal with heartache and how to persevere through heartache. Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your church, the body, not the building, not the structure, but your people. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that as I preach this word today, that you would open up our eyes and that you open up our ears to hear exactly what you want us to hear in this moment. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me in this moment. Father, I thank you that we don't leave the same way that we came in. But I thank you, Lord, that wisdom and revelation will take place in our lives. Father, I thank you that we would leave this place empowered and ready to go after you. Father, in everything that we do, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 So we kind of laughed. I chose that song. Don't break my heart. I actually didn't know Billy Ray Sauer sang it. I actually looked at the video and I was like, this is hilarious. This is so funny. So um, I actually played that song, but in all, in all realness, I know that it was funny and I, I was dancing and, and having a good time, but in all seriousness, each and every one of us have experienced heartache to some capacity. Each and every one of us have experienced heartache to some degree. So today I'm not just going to be talking about relationships and, and when you're in a relationship and, and you break up and, and there's that heartache, which that's a valid thing. That is a valid thing that happens in our lives. But I'm also going to be talking about the heartache when we experience loss of a family member. The heartache of, of, of when we experience divorce. The heartache of when we experience infidelity in our marriage. The heartache when we experience different things are going on in our lives. So it's going to be a deeper thing because a lot of us are experiencing heartache to some degree. 
We've all experienced heartache to some capacity. So I'm going to need your help. Everybody shout with me, number one. Heartache is not the end, but the beginning of something that God can use. Heartache is not the end, but the beginning of something God can use. And I want to use this scripture in Mark 5.35, because uh, I think it really depicts and, and shows a picture of how God wasn't done with the story yet. And so it says this in verse 35, while Jesus was saying this, some messengers came from Jairus' house and told him, your daughter has died. So picture this, Jesus is on the streets, and before this, he had just healed the woman with the issue of blood. And he's walking down the street, and, and, he's, um, and the, this woman stopped him in the middle, and, and virtue came out of him. And then all of a sudden, these people from the house came to Jesus and say, stop, stop, stop. She's dead. Why bother Jesus any longer? Why come to Jesus anymore? He doesn't need to come to the house. We felt her. Her body was cold. We saw her. There was life out of, taken out of her. And so they come to him. And say, do I bother him any longer? Verse 37, he said, Jesus paid no attention to what they had told them. Jesus paid no attention to what they had said. He continued on. And he said this, don't be afraid, only believe. And a lot of us in the middle of our heartache, and a lot of us are in the middle of a broken heart right now, and we've experienced this in life, and Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Continue to come to me. And he said, don't be afraid, only believe. Then he did not let anyone else go on with him except Peter and James and his brother John. They arrived at Jairus' house where Jesus saw the confusion and heard all the loud crying in the welling. He went in and said to them, why all this confusion? Why are you crying? Why are you crying? The child is not dead. She is only sleeping. And a lot of us have experienced heartache in our lives, with our marriages, with friends that are around us. With, even with, it could be even a, a dream that you've, you've had for so long, but you feel like that dream is not coming to pass. And so we stop believing. We stop believing for the very thing that God told us to believe in. And so we have to realize that, that in this moment, Jesus walks into that house, in this living room, and everybody's weeping and they're crying. And I'm not excusing that, the fact that these people were sad. I would be sad too if that happened to me. But what I love, I love about this picture is Jesus walks in and he's like, why are you guys doubting? Why are you doubting me in this moment? And so he walks into this living room. And, and a couple of weeks ago at the downtown campus, I preached a message when, about oh, when Jesus walks into the room. When Jesus walks into the room. And I started thinking about that in this moment. When Jesus stepped foot into the living room, a lot of us, we treat it like this. Jesus steps foot into our living room. It's like if someone comes to your house, nine times out of ten, you would never show them your bedroom. Why? Because it's probably messy. It's probably not done up. It's probably not nice. You probably have clothes every, everywhere, laid every which way. And so a lot of times we shut the door. We shut the door to our bedroom. But what we allow people to come into is our living space and our living area. And that's what we do with Jesus. We only allow him to come into our living room, but we never allow him to walk into the bedroom. And so a lot of us are experiencing things in our life and we're experiencing heartache and have a broken heart, but we're allowing Jesus to come into our living room, but we're not allowing him to shape us and to come into the areas where we really need him to be, to heal us, to heal our broken heart. We're not allowing him into the bedroom. Come on, somebody. And so a lot of us have to, to learn how to allow Jesus into every space of our life. We have to allow him into the bedroom. We have to allow him into the bathroom. We have to allow him to every space of our life. So Jesus walks into the living room and they were all crying. And they were sad. And they were so frustrated. Like, Lord, why? You're too late. You're too late. And a lot of us are saying that in our marriage. Lord, you're too late. I'm experiencing divorce. Lord, you're too late right now. That dream that you gave me when I was 12 years old, I'm now 50. You're too late. But then what happens, I love this picture. Jesus walks through the living room after he, he tells them all to get out. 
He tells them all to get out. Then he goes further and he walks into the bedroom where the girl was lying. And this shows me that, that when Jesus walks into the bedroom, that's where miracles can happen in your life. When you allow Jesus to walk into, into the areas and the space of your life, when you allow him to heal that heartache, when you allow him to heal your broken heart, and when he walks into that room, that's when healing takes place. That's when you're saved. That's when you're set free. Because we allow him to come into the room. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching good at 10 a.m. Come on. We allow him to come into the room in the areas of our life. And so he comes into that room. And he's like, why are you guys crying? Why are you weeping? Why are you so frustrated? He comes into that room and he, he picks up that girl. He says, Talitha Koum, little girl, get up. And God is saying to you, little girl, little boy, get up. There's still a plan that I have for you. He still has something great and grand for you. He's saying, get up. I want to walk into the areas of where you need me to be. I want to be right there. And so I love that. So even when it feels like all hope is lost and it feels like your, your broken heart will never be healed, when Jesus steps into the room, healing can begin to take place. But we have to allow Jesus to step into the room. A lot of us have, we've hidden the key, we've locked the door to areas of our life, and we said, no, 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 Lord, I don't want you to come into this space. I don't want you to come into this area of my life. I've locked the key. I've hidden it. Some of us are, are, are older and there's things that happened to us as a child that we're still holding on to. And we're saying, Lord, you can fix some of the areas in my life, but you can't fix everything. Why? Because when God really starts to mend your broken heart, when he really starts to dig in, it hurts. When he really starts to heal you, it hurts. And so I love this picture. Jesus walks into the room and the girl is healed. The power of Jesus being in the room will determine the destiny of that 12-year-old girl. The power of Jesus being in the room will determine the destiny of your life. The power of Jesus being in the room. Everybody shout number two. <laughs> Healing takes place when we are broken. Healing can only take place when we are broken. Psalms 147.3, and man, I love Psalms. Like, if you're feeling frustrated... Or if you're feeling down, just read a psalm and it will just lift up your spirit. I love Psalms 147.3. It says this, he heals the brokenhearted. That's a promise. It doesn't say, I'll maybe heal the brokenhearted. He says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. This verse literally paints a picture of God's healing hands, completing the process of healing over our hearts. It's God saying, no, I, I, I'll heal your wound. I'll heal your broken heart. That's a promise that he made to us. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. I'm going to share this story um, that I shared. I shared this a few weeks ago. It's part of my testimony. And, and like I said earlier, like God has really just been like healing me in this process of this series. And um, this, this is, like I said, part of my testimony that I believe that will speak to a lot of you in this moment. Um, but when I was 12 years old, I was molested as a child by this man that I looked up to. And um, he was around for so many years, and it was, it was a man that I really just looked up to. And I, I was molested at 12 and 13 and 14 years old. And then just for the sake of time, I'm just going to go through a timeline. And then at 14, or 15, excuse me, he, he actually passed away, the guy that molested me. And, and when I tell you, when he passed away, like, my heart just dropped. Like, my heart was heavy. I was broken inside. Because one, I was like, Lord, like, now I'm walking this out but this man is dead, how am I going to even forgive him? Because I always saw forgiveness as a face-to-face -face thing. I always saw forgiveness as, Lord, like, I forgive you, and we walk away, and we know that we both forgive each other. And so, 15, he passed away. 16 and 17, so all the way from 12 to 17 years old, I didn't say anything to anyone. 
So all these years, I'm in church, I'm in youth group, I'm doing the thing, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be all that God has called me to be. I'm going to church every single Sunday. And I'm hearing messages on healing. I'm hearing all these things on brokenness. And then I just suppressed it, I suppressed it, I suppressed it. I kept just wait, just put this, I kept weighing myself down. And so 17 years old, something had happened in my life. And um, I ended up telling my parents, I was like, that's it, I've had enough. I ended up telling my parents, hey, I was molested by so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And um, I, I'm, I'm hurting inside. I'm hurting inside. And I don't know what to do in this moment. And so 17 went on, and so we started getting help. I started getting counseling from my pastors, and, and it, it was, it was, it was, it was heal. I was finding healing in some ways, but then every day I, I, I experienced more, um, more grief and more sadness, because I was like, Lord, I still don't know how to forgive this guy. Like, I was just wrestling with the idea. How do I forgive this person? How do I walk free from this? And so this had messed me up. I was struggling with identity issues. I was struggling with who I am. What do I believe in? I was struggling with all these different things. And so 17, I told my parents. So from 17 all the way to 22, I'd get counseling here and there. I'd find a little bit of freedom here and there. But then I really still felt heavy. I really still felt messed up in my mind. And so 22 years old, I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the time, interning at this church. And um, I, I ended up, I just broke down to my pastors. I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm coming to church every single Sunday. I'm putting a smile on my face. I'm acting as if everything's okay, and really deep down inside, I'm hurting. I'm experiencing heartache, and I'm still carrying this thing from when I was 12 years old. I'm still carrying this burden. And finally, I said, listen, like, I love you guys. I love what you poured into me, but I think I need to get more help. And so I, I ended up researching online all these places, and um, I researched this place in, in Kentucky where it's a discipleship program, and they, they deal with, with men, only men that struggle with um, sexual abuse, they struggle with sexual addiction, they struggle with pornography, they struggle with all these different things. And so I said, listen, I love you guys, but I have to go. I have to go find healing because I don't want to keep living this way. I don't want to keep coming to church on Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday hit and I'm still lifeless inside. I don't want to keep doing, I don't want to keep acting because that's why I felt, I felt like I was acting. And so I, I went to this place in Kentucky when I was 22 years old, it's a seven month program. And I went in, and I was like, this is it. This is it, Lord. You're going to meet me right here, and I will, do what, I will do everything in my power to find freedom and healing over certain areas of my life. And so every, every morning, I got up at 4.30 a.m., every morning for seven months, got up at 4.30 a.m., and I, I, would, I would worship. There was this prayer trail. I would go on this. I would put in some music, and I would just worship God. And then I would pray, and then I would read. I'd worship, pray, read every single morning for seven months. And I, I felt like six months into it, I felt like, okay, there were some highs and there were some lows and there were some things in between, but I still didn't feel like freedom from this thing. I didn't know how to forgive. I still felt like, man, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out. And so six months into the program, nothing's really happening. I'm like, okay, Lord, like, I know it's all in your timing, but time is running out. I have to go back to life. I have to go back to, to what you have called me to. I have to go back to these different things. And so I was like, okay, Lord, like, I'm getting up. I was like, I'm just going to pursue you. I'm going to run after you. I'm going to chase after you. And so six months into the program, I remember on this, I was on this prayer trail, and um, I, I was just worshiping, doing my thing, and uh, this song came on, The Sand by Hillsong. A lot of you may have heard it. It's an old song, a good song. And so I, I, I started listening to the song, and I never really, like, I've heard the words, I knew the words, but they weren't real to me until I really started singing them. And so I started singing this song 
by the stand. It says, you stood before my failures to carry the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. And then it goes on to say this. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. And so I started singing that song. And then tears just started streaming down my face. And I was like, man, man, man. And I'll stand with arms high. And I started to lift up my hands. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll surrender. I literally said this, these words. I'll surrender everything to you. I'll surrender my life to you. And so I, I literally threw up my hands. I said, Lord, I'm done fighting. I'm done fighting. I'll surrender this to you. I'll stand in this moment surrendering my life to you. So in order for us to really experience complete healing, we have to be in a place of complete surrender. In order for us to, to, to have complete healing, we have to be in a place of complete surrender. And so we, when, we, when we come in here and worship, that's why worship is so powerful. Because when you come in here and you lift up your hands on Sunday morning, it's like saying, Lord, I surrender everything that's happening into my life. I surrender my marriage to you. I surrender the things I'm struggling with to you. I surrender this relationship that I'm going through to you. I surrender everything. All the doubts, all the frustrations, all the fear, all the anxiety, all the pressures of life. I surrender it to you. I'm done fighting. So I'll stand. With arms high. And so I kept singing that song. I said, Lord, I'm complete. I want to surrender everything to you. And so the moment I sang that, it was like whoosh. Like God literally entered my heart. And I know that I was saved. I wasn't questioning that. But it was, it was a way of like he just really just ambushed me. He entered my heart. And he said, now that you've given me space to enter into every single part of you. Because before, I had allowed him to come into some places and spaces of my life. But I hadn't allowed him to come to every space of my life. Literally, I was bleeding on people. And how many of you guys know that if you have a wound, it's crazy to me that, to think that we, we desire healing, but we don't go to the great physician that can heal us. And so a lot of us are walking out with wounds, and we're just putting a Band-Aid on it just to cover it up and say, I have this wound, but I'm just going to cover it up. I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm just going to cover it up. And that's how we treat Sunday morning. We come to church on Sunday, and it's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday hit, and we're like, okay, I'll just come back to church. I'll put a Band-Aid on it. I won't have anything to do with the Word. I won't, I won't trust in God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but I'll come back here on Sunday morning. And we treat Jesus like a Band-Aid. And it's like we just cover him up just for a moment. But in actual reality, Jesus wants to put a cast on you. When he says, I will bind up the brokenhearted, that's a picture of a cast over your heart. And God squeezing your heart and saying, I will heal your heart. I will bind up everything that's in you. I will bind up the shame that you've been dealing with. I will bind up the worry that you've been carrying. I will bind up the frustration that's in your life. I will bind it up. And so a lot of us are walking around with wounds. And we're scarred. And the funny thing is, if you never heal from what hurts you, you will bleed on people who never cut you. If you don't heal from what hurts you, you will bleed on the people that never cut you. And so I was walking around with my life. I was so messed up. And I was holding people at arm's length. Why? Because I was scared that if they got too close to me, that I would end up being hurt. A lot of us have experienced this in relationships. We're going from relationship to relationship. We're going from guy to guy. We're going from girl to girl, hoping that they fill the void. Or we go from alcohol to alcohol, drugs to drugs, sex to sex. And we, we want this to fill the empty void in us. But in actual reality, if we don't heal from what hurt you, you will bleed and spill out on everybody that didn't touch you. And a lot of us are walking around with these wounds that haven't been tended to. And that's why people that come to the church, we've experienced so much church hurt. 
It's because we're all hurt, but we're not choosing to be healed from the hurt. That's the beautiful picture of the church. Yes, we can come in here hurt, but at some point in life, we have to choose to be healed from the hurt. You can't keep walking around with this wound. You can't keep carrying this wound that's been over your life for so many years. And so a lot of us, we, we think we can avoid the heartache. We think that we can just pass this by. We think that we can just keep this in. We think that we can hide it and never pay attention to it. A broken heart is a wound that will keep bleeding. If we don't tend to the wound, we will eventually die. And a lot of us in this room right now, we're dead spiritually. And we just come to church on every Sunday. We come to church, but inside we're dead spiritually. A lot of us in this room, we're dead in, this, in the sense of, of fighting for our marriage. That we're dead fighting. A lot of us in this room, we're dead in the sense we don't allow people to come into our lives because we're scared of getting too close and what they might do to us. So we hold them at arm's length and say, no, 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 no. You can't come this close. You can't come this close. A lot of us are, we're, we're, we're just so dead inside. Some of us are dead in the sense that we have daddy issues. Some of us have, have daddy issues and father wounds that, that we're carrying into our family because we haven't found healing in the areas that we need healing from. So your kids are suffering because you don't allow yourself to be healed from what God really wants to heal in your heart. A lot of us are struggling with addictions. We're struggling with so many things in our life and we're trying to fill up the void. We're trying to just fill this thing up with all these different things. But God's saying, no, 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 open up your heart. Allow me into that room. I want to be right there with you. We have to allow him into that room. So, healing takes place when we are broken. Healing takes place when we are broken. And I love, in that moment when I was lifting up my hands and I was at this discipleship program, God spoke to me and said, read Proverbs 4.23, one of my favorite scriptures now. Proverbs 4.23, it's not going to be on the screen because I just added it this morning. But it says this, above all else, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything that we do flows from our heart. And another translation says this, guard your heart, because out of it flow, what? The issues of life. And so a lot of us are walking around and we're giving our heart to people that have no access to giving our heart. We, have, we walk around with, with giving, we give our heart to, to this person and, and to that person. And they have no business walking into your heart. When in actual reality, we need to give our heart to God fully and completely. And say, Lord, change me, renew me, make me new, set me free inside. So we're walking around with these wounds. We're walking around with these hurts. We're walking around with all these things. And God gave me the picture of this. It's like if we were to go to a bank and you started working at a bank. And at each bank, there's a vault. There's a vault. And if I started working at a bank tomorrow, they would, how many of you guys know that they would be stupid to give me the code to the vault? They would be stupid to give me that. And so you have to be there for, for weeks or months and you have to gain trust. And you have to, to gain all these th different things. And so I treat that as, as our heart. Our heart is the greatest asset to your life. And a lot of us are walking and we're giving the key to our heart to people that have no business having the key. A lot of us are in relationships that we know we're not supposed to be in and we're giving the key to people that have no business having our heart. I hear it all the time. I meet with guys all the time that are like, man, I love this girl. She's so hot. She's fine. You know what I'm saying? I love this girl. And then two months later, oh man, we broke up, man. She's, she, she broke my heart. I'm like, you're stupid. You're giving the key to people that don't even have access to your heart. Why are you doing those things? And so a lot of us are doing that. We're giving the key. We're giving access to the greatest value that God has created in you. Above all else, guard your what? Heart. 
Guard your heart because out of it will flow the issues of life. That means to tell, that tells me that everything that comes out of me is from my heart first. Everything. And so it's important that we get a hold of this, that we get a hold of our heart, and we get a hold of, of the things that are broken in our heart, and that we allow Jesus to heal us. And another thing is, I love this because I'm still dealing with issues from when I was 12 years old that keep coming up. It keeps coming up. I thought I was done with that. I'm like, yes, I'm done with this. And then I got married, and then more issues started coming up. And then I was like, okay, well, we're good. And then we had kids, then more issues started coming up. And I was like, Lord, why am I still dealing with this? Why am I still frustrated about what happened to me when I was 12 years old? Because he's like, I'm not done healing you. Amen. See, healing is a process. It's not just a one-time fix. Yeah. Like when you think about when you broke your arm, or when you break your arm or anything like that happens, when you have an injury and you get a cast, that's a process of healing. It doesn't just happen overnight. And so a lot of us want, want this healing to take place overnight, but in actual reality, it's a process. And everybody shout with me, last number three. I'll have the worship team come up. Even in, our, even in our heartache, he is near. Even in our heartache, he is near. Again, I love Psalms. Psalms 34, 17 through 20. It says this. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord heal, hears and delivers him out of all how much? All? Everybody shout all. all. He delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. So even when we experience pain, even when I experienced pain, I knew God was near. And a lot of times I started to doubt, like, Lord, where were you when I was 12? Why, why did that have to happen to me? And I, I, would, I would doubt myself. I would doubt God. But in that moment, when I chose to lift up my hands and say, I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. And then God just started doing surgery on me. In awe of the one who gave it all and then more started happening and he just started working in me and I was just like okay I'll surrender I'll surrender it hurts it hurts I'll start talking about it more I'll start I'll start believing and trusting in you more I'll start allowing you into the room not only allowing you into my living room but I'll allow you into the bedroom where everything is hidden where everything's closed I'll allow you into my closet I'll allow you into my master bedroom I'll allow you into my bathroom I'll allow you into every space I'll allow you into my hurt I'll allow you to come into my guilt. I'll allow you to come into my shame. Because how many of you guys know that when I, I, I was carrying all this stuff, I was carrying shame. I thought it was my fault. I literally was like, why did I put myself in that situation? I started calling myself dumb. I started like just, just all these different things. I was like, why did I put myself in those situations? Why? And God spoke to me. He's like, no, I was still near and it's not your fault. And see, a lot of us are carrying wounds that wasn't your fault but it's time for you to release those wounds it's time for you to allow Jesus to really come into the bedroom of your of your home not just the living room not where you have everything put together not where everything looks nice and neat but he wants to come into your space your bedroom and so God is not done with us even when we're experiencing heartache even when we're feeling like all hope is lost, even when it feels like there is, isn't a light at the end of the tunnel, we have to know that God is never done. So when those people came to Jesus, and they're like, you don't have to stop Jesus, he doesn't have to come anymore. He's like, no, 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 I'm not done. 
It may look like you're dead. It may look like, like everything, all hope is lost. But God's not done. God's not done. He still has a work to do in your life. If you are breathing, He's not done. And so I started telling myself, I'm breathing, I'm alive. God, you're not done with what you have for me. I think of that I will walk into everything that you've called me to be. I think of that I will be everything that you have called me to be. I will walk into my divine destiny knowing that you are for me and that you're not against me. I know that you are for me, Jesus, in this moment. And in every moment that I encounter, I know that you are for me and that you are not against me. And I love this. Even when we don't feel like running to Jesus and we don't have the strength to fight and we feel like our faith is waning, we have to keep believing. We have to keep believing. And we have to keep trusting that God is right in the middle of your heartache. Whether that's relationship, whether that's loss of a family member, whatever it is, God's right there in the middle. Amen? You stand with me in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. In this moment, I just want to pray over you. I believe that, that God is doing a work in you right now. And, and I know that this, this subject, is, it can be a hard subject to, to really believe and to, to say, Lord, how do I really allow you into my heart? How do I really allow you to dig in? How do I allow you to do surgery over my life? It's a picture of you lifting up your hands and saying, I surrender. There are multiple songs today that talked about surrendering. 